With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage... All the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I am your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 43, the Sebastian Jovinko episode. See, Sergio? Somebody you've actually heard of this week. It's a real person. (laughs) (laughs) They're just doing this to keep us on our toes to see like which ones are real, which ones are just made up names. But yeah, I believe you on this one. Maybe I'll retire it this week since we actually ended it on a, on a person people have heard of before. But anyways, I have no catchy opening to say, so let me bring in the usual crew here, Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? It's I, I, I just, whenever I hear Sebastian Jovinko, I just, it's one of the best name nicknames in the history of sports. The Atomic Ant. Atomic Ant. That's just... That 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 just ma- that just makes you happy when you hear that somehow. It's just, it's just fun. Pretty pretty good. And we've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, uh, like you, I don't have any catchy line today either. Although, yeah, with the Atomic Ant, it's it's one of the few nicknames that is actually original. I think like there are many sports nicknames that are just like I don't know, the uh, the Red Devils. Oh wow, that's uh, yeah. You know, or like oh my god, wow, I didn't see that one coming. You know, um, or just or indeed for players, I can't come up with an example now. But there are so many that are just like kind of cliche. But that's the that's one of the few. I'm, I'm, I was like, oh wow, I've never actually heard that before. So uh, good on whoever made it up. We've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. 
Hey, fellas. Yeah, no, I'm just sad overall in general. So we, we can we can get into that if you, if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, I straight I to wrote, the point. <laughs> I wrote yeah, in my straight. I wrote in my notes here, and I'm showing it to the other guys on the Zoom call from afar. My first note is about what we're going to talk about today. Isn't really anything. I just want to be like, so guys, what what do you want to talk about? I don't know. The Phillies just swept the Braves. That's... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to turn it into a baseball podcast. That's what happens when you yes. think it sucks. <laughs> um, I don't, although I don't know how good that would be for Sergio right now. But uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, the Red Sox got swept by the Orioles, arguably the worst team in the league. So, you know, uh, I, I don't think I'll be watching much baseball this year. I, You know, sports are, are have been just – pretty bad lately so well we could talk about it for sure i mean <laughs> do we want to talk about what it, what part is the worst well i i was gonna say it compared to your baseball viewing how many more juventus matches are you gonna be watching this season because here's the transition that the the last few weeks and months for that matter have not been good and i think it's safe to say at this point it's not like this team is deserving of a top four place with their form. So with all that being said, and obviously we've got a very big game to cover on Wednesday against Napoli. How confident are we feeling that Juventus will actually finish in the top four? Not only knowing that they've got Napoli on the schedule, but they've also got Milan again. They've got Inter again. They've got Atalanta again. And it's just, Oh, who knows what uh what's going to happen? I mean, it's it's certainly a lot. You know, if you had asked me that, you know, and we did talk about this a couple of months ago and and considered the prospect of us missing out on the Champions League relatively unlikely. Now it's very much more of a toss up, uh, especially with Napoli actually starting to hit a little bit of form, but it's still very much doable. You know, Napoli is the kind of a team that would that can, you know, explode or or fall apart in equal measure, as we seem to be now. A lot will also probably depend on what players are going to be allowed to play in that game, because let's let's, uh, you know, to call a spade a spade here for a minute. I would think that things would have looked a lot better on Saturday had three relatively important players on this team not up royally and gotten themselves suspended for the game and uh yeah that i mean that that limited a the team in a lot of ways you know to to not you know not having potentially a late game sub in terms of Paulo Dybala who might have been able to change some of those games because by all indications he would have been available off the bench on Saturday. Artur was reported to have missed that game anyway. McKenney, I don't know if Afs, you know, over the international break he was able to rest up and get a little healthier, but at the very least there would have been options as opposed to Pirlo just literally having four first team options on the bench. And one of those guys is Gianluca Frabotta, who hasn't exactly been treated as such in the last couple of weeks. You know, there, you know, somebody, you know, a good friend of mine talked about, you know, 
how Pirlo hadn't really been able to change the game with the subs. And I went, well, who would he have used to do that? I mean, do you think Aaron Ramsey's going to be a game changer? Uh, I don't think so. Um, and, and surprise, he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> he had one. He, he, he made one good cross. He made one really good cross that Ronaldo headed right to uh, Sirigu. But other than that. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're not, you're not looking for your first guy off the bench to deliver unless it obviously turns out to be the cross. You're not expecting just one cross and that. It does yeah, that. exactly. So, so, you know, that that's, that's going to be a huge part of what happened with Napoli. I think that we're looking really to, I mean, but if we do lose the game on Wednesday, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. And I think it's, it's, you know, there, there's, you know, usually when you talk about your must wins, when we've been talking about our must wins over the last nine years, it's, you know, the second leg of a champions league tie or a big, you know, first versus second. Here we are fourth versus fifth. And we're talking about it being a must win for Juventus. And it really is. Yeah. It's uh, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty sad situation. I think, obviously, we always knew that the Napoli game, the, the catch-up game against Napoli, was going to be crucial. But we always thought it was going to be crucial from the sense of um, closing the gap on, you know, on Inter or that earlier even on Milan. But, uh, yeah, now it's a do or die for Champions League. And, yeah, I mean, definitely if we lose that, I, I think we're it's going to be very unlikely to actually make top four. And the thing is, you know, about head-to-head games. So Danny, Danny, you mentioned that we, you know, we have games against, well, of course, Napoli, uh, Atalanta, Milan, and Inter, and, you know, a bunch of other games, of course. But just on those head-to-head games, uh, I think there's there's a big advantage and big disadvantage of having such head-to-head games late in the season like this. The advantage is that, you know, these are, obviously direct competitors for the top four spots. So if you beat them, then you automatically immediately increase the, the distance between, you know, you and them by three points, you know, you, you increase immediately increase the gap between them by three points. Um, so that's, you know, a big advantage. It's just, you know, win that game. And then at least you knock them down three points. Obviously the big disadvantage is on the flip side, you lose that. And then you're immediately three points, uh, you know, worse off compared to them. But then also, you know, it's just, it's an all or nothing. It's like, I mean, there's no in between. It's, you know, you lose that and you really, really lose significantly or you win it and you really boost yourself. There's no middle ground on that. Uh, and a tie is just frankly kind of useless for both teams. So, um, so you yeah, know, that, that's the advantage and disadvantage there. But yeah, just, just quickly on, on the game, uh, specifically on, on some specifics from the game against Torino. Um, we're recording this the day after, uh, well, on Easter Day, so happy Easter. But the main big things that stood out for me, as you said, Sam, like not having options from the bench, I mean, hugely, hugely impactful. I mean, we we can clearly all agree that Ramsey, um, yeah, is just not really much of a Juventus player anymore. I mean, he's there's nothing. I frankly don't think he offers anything anymore. And, uh, well... Unfortunately, if he had to leave, well, hey, sorry, but goodbye, <laughs> Aaron. But then there's also, uh, yeah, Dejan Kulusevsky. I mean, he's had a lot, <laughs> a lot of heat. I, I, I mean, I mentioned his, my kind of grumbles with him, I think uh, maybe two weeks ago, 
Um, and those were kind of initial grumblings, like, oh man, he's, you know, it's not really doing well. And I think that also, that was also another thing I mentioned it in my um, monthly recap um, as well. But yeah, no, the, against Torino, that was, that was kind of the, that, I want to say the final straw for me, but that really, really got to me because it's one thing to make a mistake, but then to make the same mistake twice now in a month, I think, because it was the exact, yeah, no, less than a month even, because it was like almost identical in terms of position and just the exact sequence of play, almost identical to the mistake he made against Lazio. And I mean, like really it was almost the exact same position on the touchline, basically the same intention of a pass and almost the exact same consequence. It was the, the player that he passed it to, you know, was the one that scored. And I just thought like, wow, it's deja vu all over again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to make the same mistake twice to me is uh, almost unforgivable. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know how with doctors, they say um, the, the, I think it's called the, was it the Hippocratic Oath? You know, it's like first do no harm. And, you know, with players that are out of form, that's kind of my mantra as well. It's like, okay, first do no harm to the team. First, just don't like mess things up. You know, I, I'm okay-ish with players that are out of form, but they're still, you know, doing well defensively. They're still like just doing the basics, right? Okay, they're not, maybe not adding flair or anything to it, but at least they're doing the basics, right? And I think a good example of that is frankly, uh, Federico Bernadeschi. He's, I mean, I still don't think he's in amazing form or anything, but he's not screwing up. Like he's generally just doing all right. I mean, especially considering that he has frequently played completely out of position in left back. And he's, I mean, you know, obviously he's not played, you know, Roberto Carlos uh, type of uh, football, but he's, he's like been fair enough. And that, and that's kind of, to me, that's the example. It's like, okay, first do no harm. He doesn't like screw anything up, but okay. He's not adding flair, but he's not screwing anything up. But yeah, Kuliseski at this point, he's becoming like just, damaging to the team frankly and it's it's uh it's yeah to the point of you know frustration for me i mean should we sell him no but i mean i don't know i don't know how, how much faith i have in him in being a uh first team player at the moment but then again what are the options like sam said you know <laughs> obviously especially yesterday but just in general you know what are the options and well given injuries and covid and the suspension here and there uh, there aren't many there aren't many options so looking forward into the future uh, yeah Kulisewski is gonna have you know he has a very uh, steep mountain to climb to uh, regain my confidence that's uh, that's for sure yeah I got a couple of fun facts for you guys so Torino is currently 17th on the table they're not good they're not a good football team they're just bad by every like just like logical way of looking at it they're just bad they're not good at playing football at an elite level and got my attention <laughs> and, and right. juventus couldn't beat them they just couldn't beat them they can't beat them they can't beat an arguably bad team i do not care if you know sure you know maybe the ballet could have played if they didn't decide to have a little little party out there maybe sure but I, I, I just, I don't care. You have to, you have to beat Torino. It's just like, if you can't beat Torino, then what are we, what are we doing here? Like, what are the, like, yeah, what are, what's the point really? Like, I mean, at this point, do we even want to make top four? If you can't beat, like, you know, it's just, it's just tiring. It's just like, what are we doing here? Like, what's the, what's the point of, of keeping, keep watching these games? If this is just a team that 
for all intents and purposes, looks like it checked out. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I checked out as well, uh, but I'm a fan. So, you know, I can I can, can do that. But yeah, they just don't have any fight to them. Like like Chuck said that the Kulusevsky mistake was just, it was just laughable. You know, Wash had, had you know, just two terrible, terrible, terrible moments there that cost it the that cost them the game really it, it just it looks like a like an undisciplined just unfocused uncaring team and you know even if you have all the talent in the world when you are at that point just as a team I think it's going to be hard to to pick up the points needed to to remain in that top four spot honestly because it, you know if they you know forget about the the, the Champions League and whatnot you know, if they lose against Napoli, you know, you, you're in real danger of just missing Europe in general. Like, just forget, you know, the Champions League. Like, you would be 56 points in fifth place, and Lazio would be four away from, from getting that fifth spot and knocking you out of Europe altogether. Um, obviously, I, I think if they won the Coppa Italia final, then they automatically make the, the Europa League. So, you know maybe that could work but i mean you're you're seriously in danger of, of missing europe altogether i don't think it will happen i hope it doesn't but they're in real danger of, of missing you know european play overall and i think i think if that happens i think at that point you do have to start thinking about making wholesale changes like big time changes and you would almost have to be forced to do them because if they don't make Europe at all, or as Sam has pointed out, whenever I, I try to bring back the let's make Europa League thing, uh, financially, just they're going to have to fire sale a whole bunch of guys just because without those you know revenues from playing deep in Europe that we kind of grew accustomed to having the last few years, it's just the, the, the numbers are not really going to make sense uh, holding on to like for example, Cristiano Ronaldo, I think at that point becomes untenable if you don't make Europe. I I would doubt that even that he would want to stay in a team that doesn't even play in in European competition. So it, it's really kind of like a like um you know like a real point, a breaking point for this team. The the you know the the remainder of of the season just because what we assumed was a done deal which was, you know, oh, we're not going to be champions, but we're, we'll probably play Champions League. I think that's very much in doubt. And and at that point, you definitely have to look at yourself in the mirror and really go through the very, very necessary wholesale changes that this team probably needs. I'm not saying I'm rooting for that precisely, but th- there might be some positives to it if it comes to it, as long as it doesn't cost us... Uh, Matthias De Ligt, almost pretty much everyone else is is on the table, I think. And you you saw it on on Twitter, and I I was reading up on it before we hit record here. There are now rumors both in Italy and Spain that Juventus might not even be able to afford another year of Alvaro Morata on loan, which is ten million euros, and that just says how dire the financial state of this club is because. If we thought the mid-year financial report is going to be bad, or was bad, I should say, just wait until we see the fiscal report at the end of the fiscal year come this summer, because it's just, you know, if those rumors are starting starting to pop up, 
yeah. now like the like the report that uh this week about juve asking the team to defer wages yeah again. exactly it's it's not going to be it's not going to be pretty and missing out on champions league ball next year is just going to only extend that because you're not getting the same kind of tv money in the europa league you're not getting i would assume and i know italy has had problems when it comes to vaccinations you know, if there are fans in the stands at the beginning of the season, it's not going to be the same kind of revenue, no matter what the capacity level is. And it's just, it's, this only seems to be a bad situation that's getting worse by the week. And unfortunately for Andrea Pirlo, he's getting a whole brunt of the, of the blame, even though, you know, there's so many things that are out of his control. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve criticism because he does, but at the same time, it's it seems like what wherever we're looking, no matter if it's off the field, on the field, in the front office, every single damn thing is going wrong with this team right now. In in fairness, though, you speak of financials. Uh, I remember I'd mentioned I think yes, speak to us, our economics <laughs> master. No, uh, I mean I, I'm honestly not that. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not as well versed on eBay's financials, you're frankly, because so, I'm just... so modest. You're so. <laughs> I mean, I would be able to speak on it if I spent like hours and hours reading it. I just don't have that time. I admire the people that do, frankly, but I'm not paid to do so either. But you know, you speak of the financials, and uh, I, I had mentioned like a month or two ago maybe that inter inter's owners uh Suning group that they um were in a bit of financial uh troubles as well they had, i think they had stopped operations at their uh, i'm just kind of looking at the article as i speak uh Jiangsu fc that they had yeah completely essentially dissolved the club i mean you know <laughs> imagine i mean a club you own you're just like eh, you're done you know he just like you know hit delete almost so um you know that that's an interesting situation as well for inter i'd heard some issues with their payments for hakimi i think uh to real madrid but basically they're not in you know perfect financial situation either you know there's obviously been a lot of instability and in, in ownership there so you know you have to kind of look at that and think of italian football in general the two two of the three or four biggest clubs basically in the country are uh financially in such precarious situation you know italy in general is i mean footballing wise and society wise obviously but just speaking footballing uh wise is uh in general just you know had a very tough decade i would say financially and just image wise and yeah results wise as well so um yeah i mean i hope this is i hope this is all just you know premature stuff but if it isn't then you know there's real real issues for the league in general but yeah going back to uh just the club or yeah just just uh, you know Juventus uh itself I do well, back to the, the game for instance itself I, I remember there was something I'd observed from the game which is kind of a random point but Sergio you spoke of uh yeah Chesney's uh, mistakes and there was the first Pardon me, the second goal, Sanabria scored. Uh, to some people, I think, no, the commentator was even saying that, like, oh, yeah, the lift, uh, he's got to close him down more. Like, you know, that the lift that sort of, you know, messed up on that goal as well by giving uh, Sanabria too much space to uh, to make the shot, which I I mean, I disagree with, and uh, not just because it's my countryman, but, um, but uh, declare an interest. <laughs> I'm declaring an interest. Um, but also because, I mean, he did what a defender should do in a situation like that, which is 
force the striker into the most difficult shot possible. And the most difficult shot in that case is really the near post, that really tight angle at the near post, uh, because that's the goalkeeper's area or like spot to cover right there. So he did force him into the most difficult shot. And, you know, that was obviously a shot that should have been uh, held out um, by uh, Chesney. So um, just to uh, defend my man there, defend the delicts on that one. But yeah. I, I would say that delicts could have made it a little more difficult by getting himself closer to Sanabria. He closed the angle decently. And yes, Chesney has to stop that shot there. That, that is the, that is the overall point of the, of that goal. But I do think that delict could have made it even more difficult than he did. I think he could have gone a little, gotten himself a little closer uh, and I think he was a little gun shy for doing so, but overall it's, you know, it's that, that was Chesney's that, that might've been Chesney's worst game in a Juventus shirt, which, and, and just tells you the, the state of the, I think the mental state of the fan base after a year as difficult as this one, that I've seen so many people immediately revert to, he is no longer Juventus quality, he must be replaced immediately. I have several friends who are very much on the sign Gianluigi Donnarumma on a free bandwagon this year, which, you know, cause you know, with all the money problems we're having 8 million euros a year, plus whatever the hell Mino Raiola is going to end up forcing you to pay him in commissions is absolutely something that you can be spending when you've got far bigger problems in other parts of the team. But I think that, I, I think that it really does come down to just that there is, there is that level of execution that isn't happening on the team. Chesney, you know, was one of the last holdouts until yesterday. And even then he did, you know, make up for it somewhat with those two big saves at the, at the very end near stoppage time. Otherwise it would have been three to Torino. But, you know, really the only guy that seems to be executing on a consistent basis right now is Federico Chiesa. Even Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo at one point when it was still 2-1 had a free header in the box that he put, uh, that he put over. That, you know, eight, that eight and a half times out of 10, when you see Ronaldo hit the ball like that, it's going into the net. And, you know, even he's not, clicking hard right now when it comes to an execution standpoint. And that's gotta be, that's gotta be the, the difference. And they have, you know, I don't know what it's going to take to, you know, to snap somebody out of it. Did it, you know, to get things going. Morata is another, is another really good example. He just seems to be that little bit off. He's, he's hitting the ball, you know, you know, he's getting into decent positions a lot of the time these last couple of games, but he seems to just be hitting the ball right at the keeper every single time. If he just gets a tiny bit more off, you know, one side or the other, then you've got a different, then you've got a different ball game, you know, and, and this will be where Pirlo can start, you know, start showing what he can and cannot do as a coach at this point. And don't get me wrong. I still think that firing him now, firing him at the end of the season is the wrong call. But 
this is where this is you know this is his first opportunity to make his bones and we're going to see right now what he's going to do i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, just overall, I think this, this is a team of funk. And you can see it, right? Like you can see it with a lot of guys, like you said, Morata right now is just not, you know, all the all the goals that were falling early in the season, they're just not right now. Um, you know, Kulusevsky, just no confidence, no, no, no sense of rhythm, no, no sense of nothing. Just, just it's the team that just feels in a drag and a slump. Like even with Ronaldo, like you said, like he had his shots that you know nine times out of ten he makes and he's been missing those like we've been having that one in in ten happening often with him and and you know it's just it seems like a team that's out of rhythm that's that's in a slump and honestly that i i think this is where and and i'm i'm still kind of like more or less on some side here that you know probably with the just all the weirdness in the season you know maybe this is not entirely up to Pirlo, but I think this is one of those things that you can, you definitely can see the impact of a coach in the team. And that is when things are just not working, when things are just not clicking, are you going to fight? Are you going to kind of like really, you know, even if things are just not, not clicking in the sense of like, technically speaking, if the, the goals are not falling, are you still fighting? Are you still, you know, does it look like you care? And I know this, might be a little bit of a, you know, of a, of a thing of perspective and, and what you want to see, but I just don't see a team that honestly wants to be there. Like they know this is a lost season. Like they know that they're not going to win the championship. They're just checked out. They're playing like it. And I think this is like Sam said, I think this is exactly where we're going to see the medal of, of Andrea Pirlo as a coach. Like, can you get the results you need to finish on that top four spot, because at this point, that is the objective. And, you know, despite all the lip service, they might, might, might do at the press conference, but they still say that, you know, they're going to win out and something's going to happen. Like that's not going to happen. And they know it's not going to happen, but do you still go out there and, and play every single game and really try to win every single game? And that's just something that we're not seeing right now. For all the reasons that we already mentioned, I hope that we do finish in that top four. I think that's as much of a doubt as, as anything. And if that does happen, then, you know, it's just complete, complete teardown. I think at that point, just everything, every, everything and everyone is on the table up to and including Wash, who I agree has been, been pretty good. But, you know, if, if the team is in a bind, I it wouldn't surprise me if they flip him for you know, something and 
recall Mattia Perrin. Remember Mattia Perrin? I think I think that guy's still a Juve player technically. So you know you could see yeah, that was Mattia that's Perrin a dry loan with Genoa. He is he is technically going to be back. Yeah. So I mean, couldn't you see like if this team is in a real financial bind, just you know you sell Wash and bring in Perrin and and play it with Perrin and Buffon next year in some sort of let's cut corners at all costs. Maybe. I mean, it's really going to be interesting to see just how how low this team can go in the rest of the season. It really is going to be because I can't, as much as I'm on, on Andrea Pirlo's corner, I cannot imagine they keep him on if this team fails to make, you know, make Europe. I, I really, really doubt they, they will keep him on as, as a manager, despite all the, you know, all the usual caveats are in place, but I really, really don't think they would hold on to him. And it'd be really weird as a Juve fan to not play Champions League or not play Europe or whatever in, in what feels like forever, right? Like 10 years. Makes me wonder at least what also, ha- you know, the, the all indications saying that Fabio Paratici is going to be extended this year even though we don't have any confirmation on that his contract is running out at the end of the season if Juve don't make you know if something catastrophic does happen and Juve don't make it to the Champions League this year what are his job prospects again apart from just uh from just Pirlo you have to look at him too especially since you don't you're not even going to have to fire him you can just let him walk because his contract is up and you know I've been uh, there were uh, reports this week coming that Juventus was actually looking to sign Marcello Lippi back in a front office role that Paratici would essentially report to, you know, you know, as as a mentor to try and get him back on track and to try to get Paratici a little bit better at this team building thing, which we I think definitively can say has not been his strong suit. Yes, since Ro- coming, he was he was good as Robin when Beppe Morota was Batman. Robin yeah. is not good as Batman. No, he's he is the close, you know, and and you know the comics even pour, bore that out when Dick Grayson put on the suit for a while during the. Um, <laughs> but you know, Paratici was. I, I've said this before. Paratici was Beppe's closer. He was the guy that sealed the deals once Beppe decided what guys he wanted. He's very good at that. He is. He clearly does not have the vision to make a team that works together. And that is the, because that's another thing that I've, you know, that I've been you thinking more and more is that, you know, and this dates back to the last years of Allegri. Uh, Claudio Marchisio said this on Sky this week. Juventus has been in decline from a team standpoint for a long time. You know, for the, it's been three years where for the most part, winning games has been, grinding out defensively and one or two individual moments of brilliance from somebody like Ronaldo or Dybala or Douglas Costa or, or, you know, something like that. And then, you know, the, 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 the team, the, the, they haven't worked as a team since the Cardiff year. And that is on the front office. That is on none of these coaches. And so the you know the front office is always the last ones to pay when things are going badly in a team. It's always you always see a bunch of coaches go through before the sporting directors are the ones that 
you know, you know, the head finally rolls there. Which is crazy because shouldn't they be the yeah, first? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you but you know, the, the that fr- that front office Paratici and Pavel Nedved, although I think to a lesser degree Nedved because he's not really one of the he's not one of the the primary talent identifiers. But that that area has to be improved on if there's if this is going if this season is going to ever if we're going to look back on this season hopefully in a couple of years as a lost year on the way to a quick rebound that front office needs help because it is not good enough and i think that that is clear now that we've we're, now that Beth Benoit has been gone for, for three years now. Yeah. And I think we can kind of use this as a transition into Twitter questions in a moment here, but this is a quick tweet thread from Andrew Chithere, who does some Serie A writing for ESPN. He goes after uh, yesterday's game against Torino. He goes, I'm not sure what a transitional season is supposed to look like for Juventus, but this isn't a case of players gaining valuable experience and focusing on the positives. It's square pegs in round holes, bad management and terrible recruitment. Players are stifled by Cristiano Ronaldo's presence with Andrea, while Andrea Pirlo can't experiment tactically because Ronaldo has to play. Meanwhile, it's also Ronaldo who's been bailing Juventus out. So it's just, yeah, it, it's it's a situation you don't envy at all, but it's also a situation seeing as who Juventus are as a club that needs to be fixed or else the next few years are going to be really, really tough. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I, I think that that's so key in the sense that it just doesn't make sense. It's a team that doesn't make sense. And, and we're being hard on, on Kulusevsky earlier, uh, but we forget he was actually brought in and he was, he was bought in the winter transfer season of last year. So technically he was a guy that was, you know, that he would have played for Mauricio Sarri. And obviously in a Mauricio Sarri-led system, Kulusevsky kind of makes a lot of sense. He's a winger. He, he's pacey. He's, he, he's good at dribbling. It makes sense. He makes sense in a Mauricio Sarri-led team. He makes no sense in an Andrea Pirlo-led team. And now you have him and you have to play him because you already invested a bunch of money in him. And, and that's what makes it so, you know, both hard and frustrating to see this team and just as, a, as an organization as a whole make the decisions they make because they don't seem to have any sort of plan. They Now we're, we're looking at the rumors that now Andrea Pirlo's job is, is on the balance if they lose against Napoli. If really, if, if they lose against Napoli, Pirlo is gone, then why are we keeping him anyway? How, how are you going to decide a tenure on one single game? And that's what a lot of people were reporting for Sarri too, right? Like, oh, because he got bounced by Leon then he's gone. It's like, that doesn't make sense because then you can't build a team because you're always going to be having this, the square pegs and round holes that you bought for another uh, manager, for another system. And now you have them and you don't know what to do with them. To me, this, this goes back, not even to only Paratici. I know, I know we are, we're big fans of, of Pepe Marotta overall. And I think he, he did a really good job in general, but you know, something similar to, to this happened. I see a lot of people in the comments kind of uh, saying that the year where everything went bad was when we signed Federico Bernardeschi and, and Douglas Costa, and it was too many wingers, and we don't really have a use for them. And if you look back at the time, 
that was 100% the correct move. Max Allegri wanted to play with wingers. He wanted to have that double pivot with Sami Kedira and Miralem Pjanic, and they didn't have those players. They were stuck playing Mario Mandzukic as a left winger, which arguably he did a, a pretty nice job at it, but that just wasn't his position. They weren't exploiting completely the, the formation, and they brought in the two best wingers they could. And then the double pivot fell, fell apart. They uh, Clubs figured it out. Uh, Sami Kedira started fell, falling off a cliff. And now they had to, you know, he was falling change. apart personally. <laughs> and now they yeah. have to change everything. And now you have a bunch of wingers that don't have a place. And it, that that's exactly the problem. Like building a team when you just have no idea of a project is so damn hard to do. And I, I honestly, I think if, if you fail to make Europe, if you fire, then you fire everyone, just everyone. And you start from scratch and you actually build a sustainable project because otherwise you're just going to be stuck like, like, uh, Danny was saying, just fitting square packs into round holes and just banging your head on the wall of why Adrian Rabiot can't play Regista. Well, because he's not that. He's just not that player. And we bought him to fill in another spot, and now he's stuck in a weird position. And you can make the same case for almost every player on the team. And that's just not sustainable. And also talking just about, you know, the way Ronaldo has kind of been you know, you know, younger players stifled by Ronaldo, that whole, you know, it, you know, how it does feel that he, that the team sometimes just forces the ball to him because he is him. And I, you also look at the situation that, you know, the, the off field situation that we had this week was, you know, three guys getting suspended for violating COVID lockdown in January he violated lockdown perhaps a little bit more seriously than they did when he, you know, crossed regional lines to go skiing with his partner on her birthday. And the club's response was, oh yeah, well that's, you know, his life is his life. Like, and that's like, you know, something that you said last week, Sergio, about, you know, the, the idea that Los Dio Juve is, is eroding. There's another one for you that Ronaldo would not get disciplined over this when these three guys did is frankly unconscionable and it makes the team look terrible. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one more, it, it's one more example of the team bending over backwards to accommodate him thinking that it will make things happen you know, in a positive way, whether it be, you know, with sponsorships on the field. However, when maybe putting one guy above the entire team and the entire crest is not the best, is not the right way to do things. Certainly not the way that Juventus has ever done things before. But at least he's got the goat jersey now, so... <laughs> no, that was um, pathetic. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andrea. It was, it was all press. downhill Senor from there. Signore Presidente, I, I, you, yeah, you have my respect for resurrecting us out of those Jean Claude Blanc era terribleness. But for God's sakes, that was pathetic. Yeah, yeah, I expressed my opinions about that. I think uh, two weeks ago, so you know, I won't uh, beat on a dead horse on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just quickly on Sam point, Sam's point. I know the older I've gotten, the more, uh, I mean, cynical I've gotten by uh, cute little catch lines or, or, or mantras or mottos. And like, you know, for corporations in general or, or companies in general, not just sports sports clubs, but just, you know, those those 
cute little catchphrases like uh you know lo stilo juve uh, you know uh, winning isn't the only thing that matters uh, it's or winning doesn't matter it's the only thing that counts blah 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 you know um, obviously when i was younger i was like oh yeah winning is the only thing that counts i'm like well now i'm like yeah whatever man i mean like you know at the end of the day uh, what is it you know we're a brand and you know all that god ricky you know? bobby you could come in second or third yeah. Even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or or the whole thing of like you know or Barca's thing like Mescon Club, you know. I don't know. As I get older, I'm just like, that know, ha- well, that has a whole different off well, of meaning with, course, but, <laughs> but you know, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I, I grow very weary of like subscribing to all these, these, these catchphrases and, and then, you know, cute little, yeah, mottos and stuff. But to go back to Danny's point on the Twitter thread, not to toot on my own horn too much, but uh, I actually did mention this on. Uh, not just the previous podcast episode, but then also on the on my monthly recap, the whole issue of the transition year. Uh, topic. Chuck's was and, right. <laughs> Chuck's right was all right. along. I kind of feel like you know the Simpsons thing of like you know he's coming or like or, or no how the Simpsons always predicts the end is nigh. Yeah, the end of that, that, that one, that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I mean, I had mentioned it as well as of my greatest fear being that we're going to be stuck in a perpetual transition year loop um you know and 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 i thought the way um you know what he said was like the way he described it was really well worded just in the sense that um you know in a transition year usually you're looking for players to develop in order to kind of you know you have a finished product in mind the transition year is just to work towards that and i thought that was a very good way of putting that because i think of a club like liverpool you know like when Klopp was just hired. Yeah, I mean, they had a transition year and a half, basically. And yeah, I mean, results were bad. Like the first season or so that Klopp was there, I remember results are pretty bad. But there was an idea, like we all saw where they were heading towards. You know, their transfers were all very uh, deliberate. I think that's the right word. Like very just, you know, it wasn't necessarily about the quality of the players, the fact that as, as Sergio said, which I thought, you know, everything you said, Sergio, was like absolutely spot on just about the Bernadeschi transfer. I thought that was, you know, really I mean, perfectly described of just, you know, um, there was thought behind the transfer. And that's that's really the point. It's like, OK, we have plan A. How how do you execute the plan? You know, it's the same thing, kind of an odd tangent, but it's the same thing with like government policies. Like, OK, you have a policy you want to put into law, but then how is this actually execute and how is it actually implemented same thing with like buying a player it's like okay you have an idea well, hopefully you have an idea of a player that you need and what you need uh, but then how do you actually execute that okay you buy this player you know you buy Bernadeschi and Douglas Costa at that time because that is the execution of the plan that you've made crucial component here being the plan you know without the plan I mean I mean all your executions are just arbitrary, you know, you're just doing stuff because you're like, ah, well, let's get him, let's get him. And that's why uh, I had, I think, yeah, I did write this, uh, I think I wrote a chapter about it in my book about um, outcome bias, which, um, I mean, not to rehash that too much, but basically it's why in my life in general, not just with football, but just in in any kind of decision-making process, especially with government policy, mind you, I'm always more interested or more concerned about the process than the outcome. I'm more concerned about like, okay, what was the decision-making process that led to a certain decision? And, you know, in this case, like, you know, 
the Bernardeschi. That's why I thought the Bernardeschi uh, example was perfect because it's like, okay, what was the process? What was this, what was the decision making process that led to the transfer that the the purchase of this player? That is always what I'm most concerned about, and that really is just why you know you need a plan <laughs> because the plan is the you know explanation of the transfer of each individual transfer that you make the the long-term plan that is the explanation of why we bought you know such and such of a player and you know that is why at the very very beginning of the season I said that you know I was sort of against but mostly concerned about um, the Andrea Pirlo appointment because it signaled to me that there was no plan <laughs> and I well clearly as time has passed I, I I stand by that more and more so yeah overall just huge concern <laughs> And yeah, what's the plan? You know, um, I still don't know. Yeah, and I think if, if you want to, you know, we want to end this on, on a positive note. If you want to, you know, to look forward and kind of like buy into the, the Andrea Pirlo era or whatever, I think you have to, to look at the, the three guys that were brought in with him as a manager, like that he specifically asked for those guys. And that is, you know, we go back to, to Chiesa, to Morata, and to McKinney, right? That, you know, party aside for McKinney and, you know, his injury and whatnot. But at one point or another, those three guys have been, you know, arguably the best player in the squad, you know, form-wise, I'm, I'm talking about, right? Like early on, Morata was carrying the team. And then when McKinney finally settled in, he had a, a, a streak in which, you know, he was just playing great. And Chiesa has been pretty good in the entire, the whole year, pretty much. So, if you want to look at, at at this project as something that might work, then you look at those three guys and, and think, okay, you know, this this were the three guys that he asked for and that we brought for him, and they play really well, they fit really well, that they have an idea and and they perform. And I, I think as long as as that remains the thought, if that's your aim when every transfer that that happens, I think there might be a a chance for this for this new project to, to work at least a little bit, but, you know, all, all roads, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to harp on this, but all roads lead back to, to Ronaldo. And if you're a team with Cristiano Ronaldo on it, you don't get a rebuilding gear. That's just not who you are because, you know, of the implied, you know, responsibilities, if you'd like, or, or the, the implied expectations, more like it, implied expectations, having Cristiano Ronaldo on your team, you don't get a rebuilding gear. And, if we're heading to a rebuild, well, I guess that's that's the writing on the wall for for the Cristiano Ronaldo era. But that's a, a conversation for another day, I guess. Definitely, definitely, and that's obviously a conversation where we need a little more time. So before we go here, we're gonna have a couple Twitter questions. First one from our buddy, long time no Twitter questioning at Handy Vandy, with us on the brink of losing the league. What is the true next step for Juventus? We can talk a rebuild, but does that include clearing the bench and the front office, or is it more on the players needing a change? And as a joke on the blog the last few months has occurred, as the cult leader of the Wings of Fetty movement, both Federicos are exempt from any kind of blame. I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> I knew he was going to say the Wings of Fetty. So. The Wings of Fetty! I've been, I've been watching, Mr. Anderson. I've been watching. I've been watching you. Yeah, I mean, I think we've mostly answered it. In addition to all that we've said, the only thing I'll add, 
um, explicitly, I guess, is that, you know, Sergio, you said that, um, you know, everyone, like if we miss Champions League or if we miss Europe altogether, then everyone is on the table. I think that should include uh, Paratici and Netfet. Like, I think they're also on the table of like, you know, should they remain or not? Um, yeah, and you know, who's who's the, who's to blame? Sam, as, as, as you briefly mentioned, you know, like when things go wrong, it's like the players always first that get blamed and then it goes up slowly. And indeed it should be the reverse. It should be um, because the, the, the front office, they make the biggest decisions regarding the direction of the club and then it filters down, obviously. So yeah, really, they should be the first on the chopping block, I guess. But um, I, I, knowing how football works and how management works, I really doubt Unfortunately, I doubt it, but, um, you know, it's something that uh, from one book I'd read uh, quite some time ago by Jocko Willing and Leif Babin, I think it was the name, Extreme Ownership, which is just like, you know, everyone in an institution has to take extreme ownership of their decisions. So, you know, if like the players, but then also the management, okay, something has gone wrong. Where was my ownership of the, the yeah, of how this went wrong? Like, how am I? responsible like everyone taking extreme ownership for every thing that happens within an organization um and i think that includes uh, juventus i think if you you know if, if you head into a full rebuild i think if you miss europe it's not even that you want to go to a full to a full rebuild is that you have to just the numbers are not going to make sense and and you know as much as we don't might not like to admit it this team is kind of closer to rebuild uh, rebuild than that you would think so. I mean, you have a lot of young players. Uh, if, if you want to just roll with with youth and and kind of like figure it out and, and see where that led that leads you, if you miss Europe, it, it's kind of pretty well set for you. I mean, you're you're not many moves away from really becoming that young upstart team that you know that's kind of finding its way, if you will. Like you have a lot of you know guys under twenty five. It's really, really, we're kind of already there. The only reason is that, again, and it all seems to come back to this, but, you know, you have Cristiano Ronaldo and that kind of gives you different expectations of where you should be. Uh, but really, if you take him out, pretty much, you know, you put you, you put Ronaldo out to pasture, you put Chiellini, you put Buffon, you just kind of like all those old dudes, just kind of, you know, thank them for your time and 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 be on your way, really, because... It, at this point, it's it becomes unsustainable, and I think that's that that goes like Chuck said all the way from the top to you know to every single player on the bench to just everyone at that point just clean house, start fresh. And Juve is in a weird position that kind of they could do that in in a rush if they if they wanted to. Also, it's about time to start really seeing whether the likes of Nicola Fagioli, Radu Dragusin, whether they are long-term pieces of the future, what they can do to help the first team. You know, if you're going to use one or the other as a make weight in a transfer move next year, sure. But at the same time, if you're going to do that, you better be in the Champions League as opposed to, uh, as opposed to something else, as opposed to not, you know, you know, playing on Thursdays or not playing at all. At which point, you know, if you do end up out of Europe or even in the Europa League, screw it. Start 
play in Fagioli as a full-time starter, see what he does. It's, it's that kind of, it's that kind of point where you're going to have to start building from building from the bottom again, as opposed to trying to use the transfer market to inject instant, instant stuff. And I'll just add very quickly to that as well. Um, I think the most obvious places to start, obviously, just in terms of personnel on the pitch, of course, are, yeah, Chiellini. Um, I mean, I think, you know, again, we it's a bit hard to reconcile having a player that can only play, what, four months out of the year <laughs> or four months out of the season fit. Um, so, yeah, that's it's difficult to reconcile. Although I would obviously love to have him in the club in some capacity. And then, yeah, again, another obvious one, Ramsey. I mean, he's just... Yeah, I think he's run out of uh, run out of well, options or uh, chances, I should say. Everything. Well, yeah, <laughs> basically. So yeah, I think those would be the two most obvious ones. Yeah, Ramsey and like Chiellini. Uh, some people still say Rabio. I think he can be useful in some capacity, but um, but yeah, those are the two most obvious ones I would start with. From at the underscore business, would no Champions League be a completely bad thing if it meant we would? well and truly purge ourselves of the overpaid and uninspired and started from scratch. Yes. In <laughs> no, no I, I, and I'm going to qualify this a little bit. Yes. In the current climate, if, if COVID had not been a thing, then it wouldn't be the absolute worst thing in the world. But with, but in a post COVID economy, where, like you said earlier, Danny, absolutely zero certainty as to whether or not, as to when and whether the J Stadium is going to become the money-making force that it was for the team again that has allowed the team to get to this point financially. Without the Champions League, there is not... You're, you're looking at far more drastic moves to balance things out without the champions league. It suddenly becomes conceivable that a team gets predatory and starts sniffing around Matthias Delict and that Mino Raiola starts smelling commissions and starts shopping Matthias Delict around. Obviously, you know, if Delict doesn't want to go, then Raiola is out of luck because at the end of the day, the, the agent does work for the player. It's not the other way around, but that is the that's where you run into those issues if you're out of the champions league in th- in this financial situation you're starting to look at at that sort of a deal where you become forced to do something like le- like letting delict go which is really distasteful and you you know and would not serve a rebuild it's just a money dump because because you need the money. And that is where missing the Champions League now, as opposed to say, you know, if we had, you know, if the 2018-19 season, you would miss the Champions League for however, for whatever reason, that wouldn't have been such a huge deal. Now, because of the finances, because of what's going on with with money and COVID, that becomes an enormous problem. And yeah, just, I mean, I don't have much to add to that. Just that financially, yeah, it would absolutely be a disaster um, for the club. I think Fefu was saying, and I mean, I trust this word on this, that uh, basically Juve in a normal situation are already in a position where they would have to make like capital gains 
every season of like, I don't know, 50 to 100 million or something. I think that was what he, something like that. But anyway, point being like in a normal situation where already in, in the case where we have to sell at least one or two players for a pretty substantial amount of money per season. And well, these aren't normal times. So that means that, you know, it's going to be even worse. And then if you lose uh, Champions League money, then you're going to be even worse off. So yeah, it would be a, frankly, a disaster. Alrighty here. One more question uh, to go before we wrap it up for today. And we'll make it a quick one from at Kraken and a whole bunch of numbers that I don't feel like reading. If we lose to Napoli, do you think Pirlo <laughs> will get fired before the season ends? And I really hope not. This is it's, trying to predict what Juventus will do. So, you know, good yeah, luck. I really hope not, but it is, it is so out of character for the club to fire a manager before the season is over. Um, and if Pirlo does get, if, if Pirlo does get sacked, I do think it's going to be end of the year. I still don't think it should be done one way or the other, but I, it, it's so out of character for the club to fire managers mid-season i just i don't see it but i could be very wrong because goodness knows what might happen in the next couple of weeks yeah i don't i don't see it happening either I, th- I just don't think there's much of an upside to doing so because we would already be in a precarious situation anyway uh who would take over and we just had a manager who you know had just taken over the side for the first time ever and obviously a completely new manager so then you would just do that again but while we have to make champions league and you know i just don't think it would make much sense um yeah you would have another manager who would very quickly have to learn like yeah how to what have to learn the team the players and stuff and what we have only like a month and a little bit a month and a half left of the season so um it really wouldn't make much sense maybe in february or something uh, maybe i would have said yes but i mean there's a month left man i i i really don't see i don't think i like to think agnelli's smart smarter than that yeah i i agree 100 percent with you guys that the only thing that would be kind of uh you know i, I wouldn't say nice but if they fired him uh, if they fired Pirlo of it because he lost to Napoli or whatever. Uh, I think that would be a pretty clear indication that kind of everybody's job is on the line. And it is kind of like their last effort to scapegoat someone before uh, kind of like a Hail Mary type of situation to, to see if they can save their jobs at the end of the year, because yeah, that would make absolutely no sense, especially like, like Chuck said with, you know, with a month or so left to go, I think that'd be, that'd be really dumb, but you know, because it is very dumb, you can't really take it out of con- like consideration. So, you know, who knows? Maybe what I did like was, uh, I don't want a commenter. I don't remember who, so apologies to, to that person, but they did go right into conspiracy corner. And it was like, what if they're actually trying to make the Europa league or like trying to crash out of Europe, because that gives them a clean out with Ronaldo. And I obviously don't think that's true. But I like where that guy's head is at because that that that's that's conspiracy theory at its at its peak. So I kind of I kind of like that one. But but yeah, other than than just conspiracy theory, I just don't think they would do it. Some real mental gymnastics right there for that person to do, man. It's that's the sports a... version of Q, you know. It's like... yeah, I was just about to say, guys, welcome <laughs> to Jay and on. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some mental gymnastics, man. There's five dimensional chess going on right there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Jesus and Meryl like to say, open your third eye, everybody. All right. As always, you can send Twitter questions to us at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. You can also follow us on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. If you are a listener on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to rate us and leave us a review. Uh, I know I keep saying it, but hopefully we have more pleasant things to talk about next week. So uh, obviously a, a couple of big games coming up here with Napoli midweek. So uh, yeah, boy. <laughs> Anyways, for Sam and for Chucks and for Sergio, this is Danny saying uh, stay safe out there and we'll talk to everybody next week. Peace.